0: Hey everyone, Kaz here and welcome to this episode of Stepping Out. Today I spoke to the splendid Steve Garrell, lover of walking and best-selling author of The North West Way, a route stretching for 200 miles from Preston to Carlisle. He talks me through his life as a teacher and Duke of Edinburgh expedition leader and his survival and recovery from a near-fatal accident. His life is one of inspiration and he will surely inspire you to get your shoes on and go for a walk. So go on then, do that and hear all about his story and of course, how he feels when he walks. Hi Steve, how are you today?
1: Hi, I'm good, thank you very much.
0: Excellent, I'm so pleased you agreed to talk to me today because... I'm a member of loads of walking Facebook groups, as I'm sure you probably are. And I love to hear um, about people's stories and read what they they've been up to. Uh, And recently I saw a story on there of yours, which was on I think it was walking and hiking is great UK, which I think is a really good one. Um, and it immediately drew me in and obviously loads of other people as well, because you've got 1800 likes and about 500 comments. So I asked you to come on to here and thankfully you said yes. So welcome.
1: Thank you. So I was quite surprised at that response, to be honest, but uh, it was good. Were you? Inspire some people to walk as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because it, it's all about inspiration, isn't it? And I think on these um, pages, people... I think they sort of innocently put things on about their day and and other people are really interested in it and and it does really inspire other people to get out there so a bit particularly your story which we'll go into in its various uh various sections but uh yeah it was it was incredible to read and I think it's one of those ones it was it wasn't too long but it was just wow that's incredible so I just wanted to start off a little bit about you and um where you're from, because you were born in Lincolnshire, but you don't live there now, do you?
1: No, I was born in Lincolnshire, spent my first 18 years there. Uh, My father and mother both come from farming families, but my father said that I had to get out of Lincolnshire. There was no future in farming. So at 18, I went to university and uh, never looked back really. And what did you do at uni? I took a degree in teaching. I studied history and theology. I never taught either of those two subjects. Oh, did you not? <laughs> did no. you work at a secondary school or? Secondary school, yes. I did take 10 years off after leaving university because I always wanted to do, be a tractor driver, lorry driver. So when I'd done the university, I thought, right, now i do what my dad had to be, me to do. I'll be a lorry driver. And I did that, but quickly got promoted to a sales manager, general sales manager. And at 30, um, I realised that perhaps teaching might be worth trying. Mm-hmm. I feel that teachers who have been in, feel that I cut the real world and make better teachers. People have actually been out there, not just gone to school, university and teaching.
0: Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, because you have all that life experience and you can really put yeah. it into the classroom, can't you?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So you enjoyed that, you went into it and that was that was your thing and you realised that you did enjoy it.
1: Uh, yes, and I bluffed my way through it else, and got promoted quite rapidly and... Uh, enjoyed it but worked very hard i don't think many people realize just how many hours teachers actually work
0: uh, yeah. it's pretty,
1: pretty pretty grueling mm. my daughter tried it a few years ago lasted for two years and couldn't take more. so you do about 18 hours a day frequently and it's non-stop
0: yeah hard work
1: it's hard work and eventually i got into the duke of Edinburgh award which was very rewarding and it's made me sort of realize that the education system is not really fit for purpose for many children unfortunately it's great for those that are academic but not so good for those that aren't and i can't see it changing to be honest which is a shame
0: yeah it's it's interesting isn't it i mean you hear a lot about this and um i remember the school that i went to i went to high school and it was very sort of uh dedicated towards you know getting your exams going to university and it was just when the university was starting to become um, a general thing that people did. You know, that's what they were aiming for. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, if you didn't want to do that, what other options are there? Um, and I'm sure it was the same in other schools as well. So, um, I mean, there was a lot more things out there now, aren't there, but but it's still, um, you know, it's very much geared to that getting the exam results. And, and there's not many soft skills in there still. And uh, it's getting better, I think.
1: Not fashionable for my liking. No. Um, but it's strange that the children that were the most what we call challenging at school uh when i meet them in the street nowadays are they are the friendliest and the most talkative and they've done well most of them which is great yeah and i also empathize with them more than perhaps some other teachers did i don't know
0: yeah yeah so you're you have a passion for kind of developing people's potential in different ways then
1: yes yes i think encouragements do the, the way forward
0: yeah and you've really found that haven't you because i mean it, Being born in Lancashire, um, was walking always part of your life? Were you always out there doing this kind of thing as a child?
1: Not at all. Uh, In Lincolnshire, we didn't didn't really do walking. We were farmers, we worked hard, and that was it. But walking as a hobby, unheard of, really. Mm -hmm. Totally unheard of. Uh, So it's only when I got to about... I think at university I did a few little walks, but never really got into it. But at 40 I discovered it. A bit late, maybe, but... um, never too this. late
0: never too late <laughs> and um but when you were teaching then you you got into teaching and you you found your passion there but you found yourself not being particularly healthy um so I mean yeah. obviously you have said about the stress and, and there's a lot of work there I mean my sister-in-law is a an assistant head and she uh you know frequently works many many hours she has two children as well so it's really difficult to juggle so was that something that contributed to your health problems
1: I'm afraid it did. Um, I ate too much. I do like eating. I drank too much and I didn't exercise. Uh, sometimes i would go to school on a Monday morning in the dark and it's daylight until Saturday morning. Uh, so yes it was very unhealthy and I was driving myself very hard but my health did suffer badly.
0: Mm. What happened there?
1: Well I, went the, I got a very bad back one day and it niggled me so I went to see the doctor and uh, he sent me for tests and x-rays and so forth. And when I went back, he just told me, he'll be in the wheelchair within five years. And here's a prescription, Vibuprofen. Massive prescription. And I just walked away thinking, oh my goodness, if I take that sort of tablet, that will cripple me, that will kill me eventually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So on a whim, one of my pub mates was also a walker. I said, "Why do not you go for a walk, Steve. So I did. I just got all the gear and went off walking. And got the bug and never suffered with a bad back since, which is amazing.
0: It is amazing.
1: (laughs) So either the the diagnosis was wrong or the the walking cured me. I'm not sure which, but whatever.
0: I'd like to go with the latter. (laughs) I mean, it is incredible what exercise generally can do, but also taking yourself out of your normal surroundings. You know, like you say, if you were in the classroom all day and you didn't see the light of day all week, that can't have been good for you either. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, taking yourself out into the fresh air and nature is just such a, a sort of transformative thing to do, isn't it, anyway? So, so I'm sure that had a huge amount to do with it, but well done for doing that. And
1: where did you walk? I did the Dales Way walk, uh, which is from Ilkley to, to uh, Windermere, I think it is. Yeah, Bonus Windermere. Yeah. And how, how long is that one? I think it's about 80 miles in total. So I set myself about 10, 15 miles a day, booked the accommodation, and it was a nice production. And I thought, I'll do this again at some point. Talked to my friend, Tony, and he said, Steve, don't do the same walk again. There's lots more walks. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and it's great advice, really. And he's an absolute expert on walking. He's like 10 years older than me, but he's done every mountain in Britain at least once. And it's he, a walking encyclopedia of walking. And so I just started walking and I did the Way walk. I did the parts of the Panhand Way, um, the Cumbrian Way, um West Highland way and so forth and just enjoyed everyone because the great thing is that they're all different So I met Americans and I would say to them, why would you walk in Britain when you come from America? And the answer was, well in America, the first day we've got the mountains and we've got the rivers and the bears The next day we've got the mountains and the rivers and the bears and the next day the same <laughs> In Britain, if you do the coast to coast walk, every day is so different and that's the great thing about Britain we've got massive range of scenery Um, we've got all the pubs and the tea rooms and the people and the history it's just such a fascinating place
0: yeah completely i mean Every single walk you do in every single area is different, isn't it? It's just not the same scenery. And for such a small island, really, in comparison to everywhere else, it's uh, it's incredible how it's developed that way, isn't it, really? And what's your favourite? I mean, obviously you're from that part of the country, so uh, the Dales must have a, a huge place in your heart. So where would you say, what, what would you say your favourite trail has been to walk so far?
1: <sighs> That's a really difficult question because each one's so different. I loved on the coast to coast. I love the West Highland Way and the Cumbrian Way, possibly the Cumbrian Way is my favourite. I've done that four times now. Wow. Um, Hadrian's Wall,
0: Um,
1: also I've done that four times and we do the Duke Duke of Edinburgh Silver Award on there. So I know it like the back of my hand. Oh
0: yeah, because you're you're, um, an expedition leader, aren't you?
1: I am indeed, and an assessor and a verifier. Uh, so I'm really into it. But, wow! Uh,
0: and so, so did that? How did that come about? Did you just think, right? I need to take this to another level. Um, I mean, presumably you do you not enter events. You don't enter events as such. Obviously, the DAV is, is um, you know, an award. But you yourself, did you ever enter events?
1: Not really. I did the uh, Yorkshire Three Peaks Challenge many times, yeah. um, which I really enjoyed, and I got quite competitive. Uh-huh. So that was done in six hours. Wow. Like stopping for tea and cakes at one point, which crippled my time. But, uh, we but yeah, we've, we've all got a fuel up though, haven't we, Steve? <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, it's
0: interesting, isn't it? Because you you always talking to somebody about this the other day and, and you really want to take something to another level. So I suppose that's why, uh, you know, you want to either narrow down your time or you want to increase how you do things or what you do in different ways. And becoming an expedition leader must have just been amazing to start that journey.
1: It was great. And I learned so much. I thought I knew all about walking. But once I did my training, which is quite intensive, mm. I learned a lot more about map reading, about first aid, and uh, encouraging people and kit. It was—it's a brilliant experience just to become a leader. You learn so much from it.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, when you see the children born into it, it's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant experience.
0: Yeah, because watching them sort of you know flower and blossom into into proper yeah. walkers is—it is, must be incredible.
1: Yeah. yeah when you hear them talking afterwards at night and they're saying oh let's do this again let's go on our own in the summer and that sort of thing it's fantastic to see them obviously some don't like it but um, many love it and get a real passion for it
0: yeah and and inspiring just one person is brilliant isn't it
1: i quite a feel going to do gold as well which is great so that's always good to hear and to see them afterwards when they left school it's a brilliant thing
0: mm. And so, apart from um, the DAV, you you do charity walks with people. Is that right on the Yorkshire Three Peaks?
1: I used to organise a lot of Yorkshire Three Peaks events for charity. I think I did about eight in total. But then after my accident, I've not done that walk again. Um, perhaps again in the future, I don't know. But perhaps I've done that one to death.
0: Yeah, and we need to talk about that accident a bit later. But I mean, to start with, though, I just want to sort of talk about. Um, your your urge to because obviously we talked a bit about you trying to get your time down and um, really getting into the uh, education side of walking with the dv but it really urged you to put together your own walk then so so what you obviously you did that out of interest but now your book as you have has become a bestseller so tell us how you plan to do that and can you describe what that route is because it sounds amazing
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I suppose I did all walks, and every walk was great, but there was always something about it which I thought it could be better if. So, for instance, I wanted to start from a mainline railway station and finish it once. that I didn't need to involve cars or public transport. So it was from Preston to Carlisle. Um, I didn't want any road walking, so the best walks I've done have been great. But, for instance, the West Highland Way ends up with five miles of walking on the tarmac, which just took the edge off it. So Mm. it was planned to... Uh, follow existing routes, link them together, involve lots of little bits of history because I love history and to be from railway station to railway station. Mm. So start in Preston, followed the Ribble Way all the way through to um, Gisborne, then cutting across country to pick up the Pennine Way at Malham. Malham, um, go all the way up the Pennine Trail to Old Twistle, then cut across country to join the Hadrian's Wall for the last two days, back mm-hmm. into the car.
0: And that was a real gap, wasn't it? Because there wasn't really anyone that was like that. There was no route that was really like that. No,
1: I felt I obviously put in all the best scenery I could find into an easy-to-follow route, and um, that seemed to work in the end. But obviously, I spent a lot of time on the floor with maps spread out, and I tried different routes, different combinations until I got it right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) So it had to be right. Which is probably
0: something good for this, right? Because, you know, having walked obviously myself you know you, you need things to be um marked out correctly I know you're in the process of doing that at the moment but did you link up only existing pathways or did you carve out some of your own?
1: There were bits which I had to link together so from Gisborne across to Malham had to be linked in from whistle up to the Hadrian's Wall had to be linked in the rest is existing footpaths and then mm-hmm. I did the accommodation and the stops and make sure all the directions were exactly right. Because I've had so many guidebooks where I've been reading the instruction thinking, no, that can't possibly be right. Uh-huh. gotta be spot on. So I walked it about four times in total before I actually had it published to make sure it was right. Right. And then been a history teacher. I love history, so I a little bit with snippets of history linked into it as well.
0: Oh, how lovely. And, and how long How long is it and how long does it take?
1: Well, it's 200 miles in total. And I've written it 13 days. But um, I have a baggage uh, transfer company called Brigantes who give itineraries from anywhere between nine and 23 days. So they've chosen to make it more varied. So um, you can do it in more or less than 13 days.
0: Yeah, depending on how fast you walk. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. So 15 miles a day is about the average, uh, which I think is quite easy for most people to achieve. Um, It's a rewarding sort of distance. You can walk and sleep well and uh, then repeat the next day. So...
0: Yeah, so you put little
1: B&Bs in there then? I put B&Bs in there and I've checked them all out personally. And all the tea rooms and the pubs have all been checked, which is such an onerous task. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, and part of the thing about walking is that you can actually feel like you can eat more than, you know, you don't feel guilty about eating because you're feeling. So at the end of a good day's walking, a nice meal and a good night's sleep and next day repeat it.
0: Yeah, and you did all of this planning on your own. Each time you did it, you just went out on your own and did it. Is that right?
1: I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous.
0: Um, And so you had lots of time to think for yourself and contemplate the world. And you must have so many stories to tell about that walk. So do any particular stories stick out in your mind that you can
1: share with us? Oh, so many. Where do I start? Um, There was one bit where I got to a a gateway and there was this most massive bull just stood looking at me. Now, I'm from a farming background, so I'm not scared of cows and bulls usually, but this one big. So I decided to knock on the door of the farmhouse and he said, Oh, it's all right, sir. He's from Oxfordshire. As if that was <laughs> all right. But I'll walk with him. He walked through the field with me. And sure enough it just carried on eating the grass. It yeah. looks
0: okay if he's from there. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that happened so many times with bulls. Um and one day I did a particularly long day because I had to walk from um I've got the place. Sorry. It was a 25 mile walk anyway. Yeah. And I got Bit, and there was this massive bat ball in the field and i walked past it i thought if you come for me that's it i can't move any faster <laughs> oh no sure enough it was fine so yeah, yeah. i love love all the stories loving meeting other people like the americans are fantastic i can tell you another story about the americans though go on uh, on the coast to coast war i met this couple from america who were with the daughter doing the coast to coast and they they happened to be in the same pub at night having a meal And they said, come and join us, come and join us. And I kept resisting and I said, okay, I'll join you. And they were very knowledgeable. They knew more about English history than I did. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Brilliant people to talk to. But when the menu came, it was one of those menus where like four pages of gorgeous food, I could eat anything. And they looked at it and looked at it and they said, can you just fix us some fries and burgers, please? I thought, I can't believe it. You want burgers when there's all this food on offer. But that's a go. It's how that
0: Ingrained, ingrained.
1: <laughs> ingrained, yes, yeah. So, oh, yes.
0: it just must have been so interesting. I mean, did you write anything, did you write notes down as you walked or did you just kind of, I don't know, regurgitate it at the end in your book? How did you sort of string it all together? Notes, I
1: mean, after notes, then they're all sort of soggy and tattered and mm. I had to walk it against some dice to make sure I'd written the right thing down. But it was fantastic. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, going back, there's one bit where I call it my Ferrari moment. I was on Hadrian's Wall at the end of a walk and I just sat there and I thought, this is so fantastic. You can forget your Ferraris. You can forget all your money. I could not be happier. So I call that my Ferrari moment.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, it really does get you like that, doesn't it, Steve? I mean, just seeing anything, the amount of people I've talked to about this a simple thing like a leaf or a tree or I mean, especially the amazing backdrops and landscapes that that you must have seen on that trip. Um, it, it all just gets absorbed into your soul, doesn't it? And it becomes part of you and, and it just makes you feel amazing. So, uh, I, yeah, it must just be incredible. And I really plan to walk. Out. I'm going to buy the book. <laughs> And I'm definitely going to do that. But you're in the process of waymarking it at the moment, aren't you? Um, so h- how do you go about getting that route pass so you can kind of, you know, nail those bits on the on the styles and things like that? Well,
1: luckily, I volunteered to be a countryside range for Lancashire County Council, and that's quite okay. So they're happy with that because uh, well, a lot. Well, not. I spend quite a bit of my spare time just clearing paths, cutting hedges back, and reporting problems. So it's all above board.
0: Yeah, and you know what, it's an amazing thing. Who else wouldn't want you to uh, to do that? Because I noticed it's also on the LDWA, isn't it? The Long Distance Walking Association, uh, that stands for website, which is brilliant because then you have the details. On. Lots of people log into that site. So if you haven't already, anybody listening, um, it's a really good way to, to get your long distance walk route um, because it's so specific and detailed. So I know it's on there. Um, and presumably, it's going to get put onto all sorts of different things. But is it going to become a national trail, do you think? Or, or is it already?
1: Uh, no, unfortunately, it's not that simple. Even the Coast to Coast Water is not a national trail. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Although there are pressures to make that a national trail because they get so much more funding once they get a the national trail status.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: not much chance there, I'm afraid.
0: Well, why do you think that is then? What's the, what's the sticking point? We
1: limit the amount of resources they can spend on it. Um, but the money they've got is just fantastic. So I met the Pan ranger and he's got his Land Rover with all his power tools. And there's me walking along with my countryside ranger hat on and a pair of secateurs. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> slightly.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but a smashing chap. Oh,
0: yeah, slightly different. But, you know, one day, you never know, one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so when you did all of that, then you were doing your DV, You did your walk. You had your book. Did you stay in teaching then?
1: Yeah, I did. I actually changed jobs because I was. I started off in Blackburn and I worked there very hard. Got promoted, promoted, and I was sort of offered a deputy headship. And but I knew that that would take my life away, really. And mm. I quit teaching for two years. Then got dragged back in again uh, at a local school um, where I rescued a department which was uh, struggling built that up again. Uh, but then I got involved with the DAV and realised that's what I really love doing. And so we built it up at uh, St. Beads in Lutham to the point where half of year 10 were taking the DAV award and most of them passing it. So that's quite an achievement. And, um,
0: oh, excellent. Well done you. And you and you stayed in a, in that job rather than... Um, than brilliant you know, team
1: Yeah, yeah. such great times together, planning the routes, checking the routes out dealing with crises and so forth. It's a fantastic experience.
0: Yeah, and I expect because you had that um, sort of health care before, you didn't really want to get yourself back into the situation where you were overworking and your job was the main thing in your life, And especially after you'd experienced all that incredible walking. So it's, it's a good choice to make.
1: Mm-hmm. It was, um, but I've been retired now, but I'm still involved in the EAD. Yeah. Uh, although this year we've had no expeditions, unfortunately, and bit mm. that we really enjoy. But the kids can get a DAV award without the expedition section this year. And hopefully right. we can get it all back working again.
0: Oh, fingers crossed, hey, because the world's gone crazy, hasn't it? So, and, and also for people to get outside at the moment is just so, so important. Yeah. Um, but you but you were, so everything was going well for you and you were doing all of that. And you were obviously in that job um, promoting and, and uh, helping children to achieve the DAV award. But then you experienced a very uh, traumatic thing, didn't you? A real unwanted drama in your life. So can you just talk a bit about that?
1: Yeah, I've had a few accidents in my life, but this was one of my bigger ones. Um, I was cycling home, and a van driver coming the other way. I was in the cycle path on the side of the road, cycling alone, and um, a van driver lost control. um, He's on his mobile phone, he's speeding, and it's crossed the road. I hit the windscreen, smashed the windscreen in my head, rolled over the top, and... uh, it Looked like that was it for a while, but Gosh. Hmm, pelvis broken in four places, severe bruising, internal injuries, concussion, uh, fractured skull. And my family was told that I would be paralyzed and probably brain, in, brain injured. Um, oh. I might be brain injured, I don't know, but so
0: <laughs> <laughs> not that you'd ever um, know.
1: I thought about oh. it and, uh, I'm walking again now, so uh,
0: that's that's just such. I mean, how long does it take you to recover from that? That sounds just um worst thing ever
1: it was probably quicker than people expected but um i had to lie on my back for i think it was about two months without moving to give my pelvis a chance to um sit to heal again mm-hmm. and bit by bit i was walking five yards 10 yards and now i can walk well i'm doing 15 20 miles some days so i've done it what
0: wow goopy. And do you think that was something to do with your um, your fitness and your health? That you I really the because
1: the doctor said that because I was so strong when I had the accident, it helped me sort of survive the accident and the determination to get back out there. So when I was laid in hospital, bit by bit, I got my bed moved closer and closer to the window so I could see the hills in the distance, and I was determined that mm. one way or another, I would be up there again, uh, even if it was on in a mobility scooter. I was going to get out there again.
0: Yeah, so important to see that as well to have that to inspire you to get back. It was you must have just been so shocked by that happening when you just built everything back, and everything was moving forward, and it all felt great. And suddenly things can just come along and uh, and stop things, can't they? Quite some, but
1: at the same time, it, it changed my life for the better in many ways because it gave me a chance to lie there and read books which I would never get to read, and to reevaluate my life and to plan my life in the future.
0: You waste any time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just had to be, just stick it out and, uh, and get over it.
0: Uh, yeah, I think patience is so great for people, isn't it? You know, when, when you're forced to stop, and obviously the pandemic is an example of that, mm-hmm. where we're made to, to sit and, uh, because there is no other choice and to find things to do. And I think so much will come out of this uh, lockdown, or lockdowns now that we're in, um, because people just you know after the initial oh you know what's happening what do i do how do i do this everybody finds a way you know we people tend to get used to things it might take a month or two but generally gradually things start to to change and and hopefully out of all of this things will um you know have improved for a lot of people
1: i think a lot of positive things will come out of this uh, the way people think the way people help each other and um The way we still support the local shops is brilliant. Uh, In London, we've got every shop doing click and collect, local delivery, people helping each other, organising. It's Mm. just brilliant community spirit. So it's been fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed that, you know, more and more people are getting out there, whether it be running or walking. And uh, and so there'll obviously be an increase in that as well. So talk to me a bit about, um, I mean, obviously you find it, lovely to go out into the hills and walk but how does it kind of affect you as well as physically where it changed you completely you lost lots of weight and you became really strong like you said But how how do you feel mentally when you go out for a walk what's the process you go through
1: it's amazing sometimes i have to motivate myself to get out there but once you're out walking within minutes you feel so much better for it um i went through a few bad patches um a few years ago but I realised straight away that when I was out walking, within minutes, I was feeling so much better in myself. It put things in perspective, and I felt so much better for it. And I think so many people don't realise that it's not just physically good for you, but mentally fantastic for you as well, to just make that effort, even for a short walk, to get out there and get the fresh air, and not to make excuses. And I have so many walking jackets, I can walk whatever the weather, and I Mm -hmm. I do that every day.
0: Yeah, so you're an advocate of... um you know, it's only poor clothing. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure who said that first. Was it Elfra Wainwright or...?
0: Oh, I don't know who said that first,
1: actually. There's so many stories about it, but well, it's absolutely true. Um, you need a range of jackets if you want to go out every weather.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just and it's also really exhilarating, because even if you do go out and you're a little bit chilly or you think, oh, I wish I'd wore an extra layer, it doesn't really matter, because you know you're going to come home and you know you're walking it with some kind of pace. You're, you're building up some heat anyway, so... It, it feels really nice, I think, yeah. doesn't it, to do that? Um, it,
1: yeah. Once when I did the coast to coast, I chose it was unfortunate, but it was heavy rain in my face all the way. But you got used to it and I enjoyed it, and I love the smell of rain. And if you're not soaking wet and freezing cold, it is fine. Uh, so off I go and enjoy it.
0: And the changing landscapes as well. And I expect you see that quite spectacularly where you live. Yes,
1: you've got to push yourself, but not too far. Um, there are days when I think, oh, I push myself a bit too hard, but in the end, I've got there and I've enjoyed it, so it's good.
0: Yeah, and that's what rest days are for, isn't it? Um,
1: yeah, I'm not sure what rest days are, to be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that. I need to sing for my own hymn sheet sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's difficult not to, because I think that's the thing, isn't it? You, it's a healthy addiction almost, isn't yeah. it? It's saying, right, I, I need that as my fix every day. Yeah. Uh, rather than drinking and eating and all the things that humans tend to fall into. But it, it's a real healthy thing to be able to, especially now when that's pretty much all you're able to do mm. is go out and do that. So have you, have you changed any other health habits?
1: I'm trying to gradually change my health habits. and uh, trying to eat more fruit and vegetables like we all do. Um, but I do love eating, unfortunately, and I love drinking. But yes, I am trying to eat more healthily. I think it's a, a gradual change rather than a massive change all at once to act mm. better and to resist the temptation to eat unhealthy all the time but I don't think I could ever eat totally healthily all the time
0: <laughs> you like your comfort food I do like a bit
1: of comfort food yes but you feel like you can justify it when you're walking
0: oh completely and and you know what where you live there's there's a heck of a lot of good comfort food right no
1: there is in Lancashire that's for sure yes yeah
0: well the hot pot there you go there's one straight <laughs> away
1: <laughs> Luckily, in London, we got so many restaurants. Which obviously at the moment are closed, but we have so many restaurants to choose from. It's brilliant. Uh, We're still mm. doing takeaways now, anyway, so it's it's good.
0: So, is that a kind of old market town where you live? I don't know that town. No, actually.
1: It's, it's a small town, um, but it's got uh, I would say probably about fifteen restaurants, cafes, uh, lots of little shops. Uh, I think there's about two hundred small businesses in on the High Street, and it's it's doing really well actually. Um,
0: Crikey, no wonder why you like your food, <laughs> I wish.
1: Just well, because you can actually just walk into town from where we live and then walk back again. So, uh...
0: Yeah, because you're retired now, as you mentioned. So <laughs> apart from walking and going to those lovely restaurants in your town, um, what else have you been up to? What, what, what other things are you trying to fit in? I love
1: reading. And the great thing about lockdown is I've read so many books, which I probably wouldn't have had time for if it wasn't for that. So reading and we're walk-
0: Go on, give us a few of your favourites then. What are you reading?
1: It tends to be factual things. I read a book called Factfulness, which is about how the world is actually a much better place than we always realise. Um, what was that one called, sorry? Factfulness. Oh, right, OK. It's quite a popular book. Um, I've just read The Irrational Ape. Uh, uh-huh. That's about how, why conspiracy theories take off and how, again, the world's actually much better than we realise. But um, we tend to take irrational decisions based on our past from being um from our ancestors which are no longer valid so we look for bad news when in fact we don't need to look for bad news anymore and it's a book which i can't really describe but i really would say it's one of those life-changing books to read it
0: really okay i'm going to put all of these links in the uh, in the description as well so carry on they're good
1: teacher should read that book certainly should read it and probably everybody who actually has a vote should read it first before they vote um so bill, bill bryson books i love bill bryson i read every one Notes from a small island and so forth, right down to the Australian one where my son's planning to emigrate to Australia. So that's quite uh, quite good to have read that.
0: Ah, right. So, does that give you any kind of ideas of going over there and doing walking? Oh, I certainly
1: will, yes. Yeah, just for a change. Yeah. I've never really done much walking abroad. Um, so that would be great to try something different. But uh, I love Britain, but yeah, I'm open minded.
0: Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, like you say, this country is amazing to walk in and there are, and, and, and you can also do things two, three, four or five times and see different scenery, you can do it in reverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for a small country, we have a lot, but, um, but walking abroad is a whole different ball game, isn't it? With the weather and you've got different terrain. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just like opening up another box of uh, amazement walking over there, isn't it? Wherever you're going. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we've also bought a camper van when I retired, which means that we get around a bigger area. So we did the whole North Coast 500 in Scotland. For our honeymoon. Yeah.
0: Um, oh, because you got married recently.
1: Well, I got married as well, yes. So I got married, got a camper van and yeah, and uh, enjoying it, very much enjoying it. And so we get away as much as possible. Obviously, it's been restricted this year, but we still managed to get up to Scotland again in between lockdown. And we're doing the whole coast of rhythm, bit by bit.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: Fantastic, yeah. So it's a whole new lifestyle and we love it.
0: So do you spend a lot of your time planning these routes then or do you just kind of go right I've got the book I pretty much know what I'm doing because I'm a DAV whiz and off I go or is there maps out everywhere on your floor and and you're doing loads of research? There's
1: maps out but uh, my wife's great at planning so she tends to do the more fine detail of the book, the science and so forth and planning and I just drive and enjoy it.
0: Yeah absolutely and you feel lucky I mean obviously you went through that accident got out the other side and Mm -hmm you've turned your life around. So, you know, you must be really appreciative of what you have now.
1: Very much so, yeah, Mm. couldn't be better.
0: And so, okay, so if you could walk with anyone, anywhere, could be dead or alive, famous, Mm. non-famous, anybody you like, where would you go and who would you walk with and what would you ask them? Um,
1: I fancy somebody who's inspirational. Um, I read the story of Abraham Lincoln and Uh fascinating. He, He rose from absolute poverty and became president, the 16th president of the United States, and such a fighter, such a, he had such morals and such drive and ambition, and yes, Abraham Lincoln would be one of them. I'm not sure about Alfred Wainwright, I've read all these books, I'm not sure whether I will get on with them or not, but possibly he <laughs> will. <laughs> um, Billy Connolly. Oh yes, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I just watched the story of his, his last, you know, recently story when he retired, and it's it's quite incredible, his attitude towards his Parkinson's disease and how he's coping.
0: Oh, amazing. And it would be so funny, you know, even now he's still funny. Still funny, yes.
1: Quite a few people, but people who have worked hard and, and made something of their life, despite you know, what's happened to them. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, we, and would you um, make them <laughs> walk your path, your route? Or would you, um, you know, where would you go with them? I think
1: Alfred Wainwright would like my walk, actually. I'm sure he would because he liked little bits of history. He liked to change the scenery. He liked to see all the things, different, different scenery. So yeah, I think A.W. would like it. I'm not sure about Abraham Lincoln, but I'd like to go to America. I read the Bill Bryson book, The Appalachian Trail. Yeah. An incredible story that is. And then there's a story by about Grandma Gatewood, I think it was, an old lady who actually walked the Appalachian Trail unprepared. But she literally decided to walk the Appalachian Trail after being abused and so forth in a marriage. And set off with no proper equipment and walked the trail. And that was a fascinating story.
0: And that's the thing, isn't it? When you, read, when you read a story about something or you read about a trail or I listen to quite a few podcasts, people being interviewed about what they've done and they've come from nothing or they've just decided they're going to go and walk. And then before they know it, they're doing some incredible, I don't know, competition or journey or whatever. Hmm. And it just, all oh, oh, it's terrible actually because it just makes me want to do every single one. You know, it's really hard not to be inspired by all of this, isn't it? There are some
1: incredible stories out there and it does inspire me. And Sometimes I feel quite lazy. Um, I actually read the story of Ralph Fiennes and I thought I can identify with him because he did some incredible stuff. But the basic fear was that he was actually deep down, he was very lazy and he had to set targets to overcome that laziness. And what he did was just unbelievable, Uh, to climb... I think it was K2 when he was 62 after three heart attacks and Mm -hmm. and because he wanted to overcome his fear of heights and Ben Nevis wasn't, sorry, uh, Everest wasn't enough for him and to run all those marathons, incredible story.
0: Yeah, and because I think he went on a tour with that. Did he go on a tour with that and talk? Was he in theatres? I seem to remember there was something or maybe he just did some talks and yeah, I mean, just, I mean, crikey, there's targets and there's targets and he really did, he
1: went for it, didn't he? He did, yes, yeah, and he makes me feel very
0: lazy and uh <laughs> well I can assure you you're not um but I think actually humans in general are intrinsically can be uh, accused of being a little bit lazy and I think most of us need targets I mean, and I know I do yeah. um you know there's lots of these events out now and, and they're growing and growing which is brilliant where you can just kind of apply for the medal you do it in your own time because obviously it's in lockdown at the moment mm. um off you go you can log in via Strava and uh and they log your your journey and where you are on the map compared to everyone else but it doesn't matter Mm. where you are compared to everyone else but it just shows you where you are and then you get a lovely medal at the end of it and it's great and it's really spurs people on to do more and more there's just so many of them out there now and I just see them popping up on Facebook all the time with brilliant advertising that keeps coming my way Mm. um and you think this is this is it this is what people need they need to have right I'm going to do Either, even if it's 5k or 10k or whatever just get out there and uh and, and try and achieve that goal so yeah i think we all need that don't you i think
1: so i think we have to have a motivation in, in life actually um i read a book a few years ago now called ikigai it's a japanese word it's called i-k-i-g-a-i My uh-huh. it, and it's about how in japan they have much higher life expectancy and it's not just the diet it's the fact that In this part of Japan, they all have a motivation in life. They have something to get up for, some hobby, Mm some passion. And that gives them that every day, I must do this. I will get on with doing this. And I feel, I read the book and I thought, that is absolutely so true. And I see it again and again. People have lost motivation. People have retired without any sort of aim. And they just give up. I thought, no, you've got to find something which you really want to do, whether it's going out litter picking or helping people out or community service, but you've got to have some passion for life something you need to do hobby. Yeah. and that really motivated me as well so I really, yeah. love, and it may not be every, every discovery but um there we go excuse me
0: yeah because it's it's having that purpose isn't it and, and like you say i think service is really important because you know we're all in this world of right we need to have a job and make money and that's our goal and that's our purpose but really it's we're all living in this world together and i think we've seen that more and more in this lockdown yeah. that you know people are there to support people and it's happened over and over again in, in these lockdowns and it, and, and that, I think sometimes that gives you more uh reward and uh, satisfaction than having some you know high-powered job to go for mm-hmm. and and then also having something that you enjoy because there are plenty of people that that have a job and don't enjoy it but yes have the job but then also have something else that you can do at the weekends mm-hmm. and get up for rather than i mean i've heard a lot of people say in this lockdown oh i'm so bored and yes there is limited things to do at the moment but there are also many 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 things to do uh, that are perhaps new that you've never got your hands on before Um, But like you're saying your must have made you really feel like that you know the amount of people you must have helped in that just awesome
1: Yes, it was, um, and it's an ongoing thing. It's amazing how many children actually do DAV nowadays. it's something like quarter million children a year doing DAV. Is it? You know, it's it's fantastic, and it's very well organised. Um, it's not easy sometimes, and there's lots of things to overcome, lots of problem solving. But luckily at St B's we've got a fantastic team of leaders, and we all work together. We know we can actually think what everybody's thinking. We know where they're going to be. We know we know the area like the back of our hand, so we can deal with anything. And that, that's brilliant. It's the team work together.
0: So 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 how, like, so when you say the team, do you mean across the country? Or are you talking about your your team that you are in?
1: So for instance, in our school, we've got, I think, about four or five leaders. We've got um, working together and other assistants who help us. But in every school, there's a small team of people. And then you've got regional support offices, which help us out and give us advice and provide backup as well. So mm. it's organised national, regional... A local level very well organized yeah
0: yeah yeah and so if somebody listening to this thinks oh, i really want to get involved with that or i really want to or my i want to get my school involved with that or they work in a school and perhaps they don't do it um what what's the best way to find out is it just to go on the website and, and contact them from there yes if
1: you google do regional office uh, for instance is mm-hmm. livable and they're straight onto the ball they're out there to help you advise you and perhaps point in the way you can become an assessor for instance so you could just be somebody who takes children and assesses their ability to cook or garden or whatever, What they want to do for their volunteering section, that was at one level. Yeah. You could become an yeah. expedition leader, you can become uh, an advisor. And there's so many roles to play within that and it's so rewarding to get involved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, brilliant. Oh, i have just so enjoying talking to you it's it's such an amazing story and uh, and you are a real inspiration to people but where can people get hold of your book is it you is, is it just in your town or are, you, are you selling on amazon whereabouts is it
1: um it's available nationally um but my local bookshop sells most of them for me now and it's called placket and booth
0: uh-huh.
1: in liveham placket p-l-a-c-k-i and booth and signed, yeah. signed copies are available from there so i'm sure if you google that you will find it and Description okay. of the walk on that, or if you're on Facebook, uh, Facebook or slash Northwest Way.
0: Oh, brilliant. And I'll put all of this on the end, but it must have, it must have just been incredible to find out that was a bestseller. I mean, how yeah. how did it come about? Like, w- you know, when did you find out? Well, it just,
1: I had, I found a publisher eventually. I think I only tried about three, which was quite fortunate. And um, the publisher was a one-man band. He's absolutely a perfectionist. And it took years for him to actually get it ready for print but when it's in your hand your first copy it's just incredible experience it's just started to sell and it's still selling in fact this year has been the best year yet
0: yeah of course because everybody's out there and i suppose you know and it's a it's an individual unique thing hmm. that there, there isn't another trail like it so it's almost like you know you've cornered the market with that trail yeah. <laughs> It's yours and yours alone. You must just be so proud.
1: I am, and but I'm pleased that people are actually walking it who so have never really walked before. In fact, our local Oxfam shop um, decided to walk it for charity. Two girls from Oxfam in Lytham never walked before, and they, were wow. they did it. And I sort of support them. And one of the girls just went like up and down the hills, incredible. I, just got, I was absolutely gobsmacked to see the way she walked. And they both got a passion for walking. So that's brilliant. I'm sure. And I'm
0: sure now they, that, that's it. They're hooked and off they go. So another two people.
1: No, so that's great that my book may have inspired some more people to start walking.
0: Mm, oh, I can't wait to do it now. I'm definitely <laughs> going to get that book. <laughs> and so what, OK, so what are your plans for post lockdown then? So we've come out of it and we're a little bit freer to go and do what we want to do. Have you got something that you particularly have thought about that you want to do? Have you got another REIT plan? What, what's your What's your plan for that?
1: I've had lots of ideas for books but I decided rather than write lots of books, which would be quite easy to be honest, I'd rather have one book and promote it and help maintain the route all the time. So I work with Lancashire County Council making sure the route's safe and secure, cutting back the brambles and so forth and the council's been fantastic. The amount of money they've spent has just been unbelievable to yeah. through the route. I have got other plans. I've got a plan involved in my Brompton which I'm going to keep secret for now because I've got a passion for biking biking, and just way marking the route so I'll walk my route at least once a year now.
0: Yes absolutely and like you say it must be to maintain that must take quite a bit of organising and doing because um, it's a long way. It's a long way
1: but once you've got the contacts you can do a little bit but you can also put people in touch to get things done as well that's good. Yeah, and of course, we got yeah. oh. to Britain to completing our camper van as well. So. Of course. We wait for that. Just, uh, Endless.
0: <laughs> and are you going to go right down south and do, do some of those down there? How, what's your plan for that?
1: Walks, what, what you mean? Yeah. 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 Um, I've sort of got the Thames Path in mind. That looks quite interesting. Oh, yeah. I think it's the London Loop, is it? Around London?
0: That's it, yeah. I've done
1: the Cotswold Way, which was great.
0: Oh, have you? Yeah. And the Ridgeway as well, This is, which is literally just out of my bedroom window. So try that one.
1: Yeah, we did the Mid Way, which starts in um, Princess Risborough, is it? Princess. Oh,
0: uh, yes, it does. We yeah. through
1: up Derbyshire, Nottinghamshire. Uh, we've done that, but I uh, was going to write a new book on that, but said sadly against it.
0: I feel there's another book coming out of you at some point, Steve. It's not impossible.
1: There are many ideas. <laughs>
0: oh it's been so lovely to talk to you thank you so much for agreeing to come on here i really appreciate it
1: thank you very much indeed
0: and i'm hoping that in some point in the future we will get to speak again probably about your next
1: book okay that'd be lovely thank you very much indeed thank you
0: thank you Steve, that was a brilliant story and what I loved about talking to Steve was his down-to-earth, no-nonsense approach to an activity we can all do, not only just for the purposes of walking but how to appreciate the immensely beautiful surroundings we are encased in on the British Isles. His passion oozed out and I hope it has inspired you to get out there and explore the many trails we have access to, many of which are right on your doorstep. If you like this episode, please rate, review, share and subscribe to hear future episodes. If I can help just one person find their way into a pair of walking shoes, it's a step forward. So share away too. Thank you. For now, take care and I'll catch you next time.